When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey YA is sponsored by Book Riot Insiders, the digital bookish resource and hangout spot for readers. Enrich your reading life with our Book Riot Insiders perks. We've got three levels to insiders, short story, novel, and the epic level, and you can try out any level for free for two weeks. For podcast lovers, which means you, insiders at the novel and epic level get access to two exclusive shows, the Read Harder podcast, which gives recommendations for the Read Harder challenge task by task, and Book Riot Remixed, where we randomly pair up hosts from across our shows to talk about, well, whatever they want. Insiders also get exclusive access to bookish deals, behind-the-scenes newsletters, our new release index, the Epic Book Club, and more. Sign up for your free trial at insiders.bookriot.com. Welcome to Hey YA, from great new books to favorite classic reads, from new stories to the latest in on-screen adaptations, Hey YA is here to elevate the exciting world of young adult lit. Hey YA is a book riot podcast hosted by me, Kelly Jensen, and Erica Ezefetti. I'm going to get good. it right. Yes, you're I'm good. I'm going to get it right. You're good. You got it. You got good. it. Good. Good. <laughs> we are recording on August 2nd, 2021. It's so funny because in my head, it's like I know exactly how to say it. Yeah. And then as soon as I looked at how I like wrote it out phonetically, I, I forgot how words were. <laughs> you know what's so funny is um, my uh, that happened during my graduation with my friend and I. She has like a polish or russian last name and she mm-hmm. went before me and they had to like stop the music that they were playing so they the guy had to, was like tripping over her name and then oh he no fine so it's all good you weren't nearly as bad as him <laughs> my maiden last name is a very like italian last mm-hmm. name so i'm so used to like people butchering my last name mm-hmm. so i always try to ask and then here I am I'm like okay I'm gonna be smart I'm gonna write the pronunciation <laughs> it's pronounced just like it's spelled there's no silent letters yeah. that are tripping me up yeah. but you know looking at the pronunciation suddenly I forgot how it works so yeah no you're good it was because you were on the spot it's all good <laughs> well welcome we have a uh, new co-host this is Erica and hey. I am back from maternity leave but first I want to hear about you Erica tell me a little bit about who you are, your background, what you do, like your connection with YA Lit. Like, tell me about you. This is the first time we've talked longer than like how to do work things. Yeah, that's so crazy. And I should have seen this coming, but I'm totally, now that you're asking me, I'm like, oh, uh, kind of like, <laughs> I guess you're writing out my name phonetically and then being like, oh, I know how to say this. But as I'm recording, I'm saying it a little funky, but that's okay. So yeah, I just started Book Riot at the beginning of July. I... I've worked with public libraries. My experience with YA is actually like, I feel like it's not burgeoning, but kind of like I've read um, YA here and there, but I 
want to get more into it. And um, I thought this would be a really cool way to. And even just from this first, like gathering books from this first episode that I'm doing with you, I'm like, oh my God, how come I haven't read these things before? Like it's (laughs) such a, and I know like um, some of the discussion surrounding YA is how adults um, have like really overtaken it kind of, or gotten more interested Mm -hmm. in it. But I mean, I have worked and continue to work a lot with teens. Like Mm -hmm. I run a a free SAT prep course for local teens in Jersey City through the local library at certain times during the school year. And um, I've worked with different like advocacy, nonprofit organizations and different stuff like that. So I'm excited to bring all of that. Plus, you know, love of books to Book Riot and the podcast. So, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. What are you um, reading now? Or if that's like a thing, because you're also just starting this job. So I know like sometimes reading is uh, not top priority. <laughs> like when you're yeah. also done at the end of the day, what's been like a favorite YA book that you have read? A favorite YA book? Well, I actually really liked one of these comics that I just read as far as like the latest ones that I've read um, called The Okay Witch. I mm. thought it was really cute, um, really sweet. And that's another way I'm kind of stepping out of what I usually read is, is that I don't usually read graphic novels too much. And I realize there's not really a reason for that, but uh, I definitely want to get more into them as well. So what do you, like, this is turning into me interviewing now. Oh no, it's fine. (laughs) But no, I'm curious. Like, what do you, what is your like normal reading? I'm just, I'm curious now. Yeah. My normal reading is like basically anything. Mm -hmm. Let me see, like say... One of my latest favorite, now I got to bust out the Goodreads, Kelly. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, how? like, well, maybe you don't do this because you are like queen and master of YA. But whenever someone's asked me, like, what am I reading next? I'm like, wait, what am I reading? I'm the same way. And it's, it's actually like, this is like nerdery coming out. It's a psychological phenomenon. And I can't remember the exact name for it. I know a listener will send a message with what it's called. But it's this idea that like, when you are asked something that is such a huge part of who you are or what you do. So like, tell me about yourself as a good example, or what are you reading? Or what have you loved reading? The connections in your brain are so packed tightly that it's hard to draw from one because there's so many choices. Whereas like, if you have only been, let's say canoeing three times Mm -hmm. and someone asks like, what was your favorite canoe trip? You're only picking from three options as opposed to 300,000. That makes so much sense. Yeah. Whenever I have a moment where I'm like, oh, I can't think of this like very basic thing. I remind myself like, no, it's because I have so many to choose Mm -hmm. from that my brain is like, I don't, I can't be put on the spot like that. (laughs) (laughs) You can't do that to me. No, that makes so much sense. I've never heard it described that way. Like in that, that makes like perfect sense, especially because I majored in psychology and, you know, Mm -hmm. I took a little like classes in neurology or neuroscience or neuroscience is more so yeah. what I should say. And so that makes a lot of sense. Although, I mean, like in neuroscience, they say the more connections or in psychology, rather than like memory, they say the more connections, the better you learn something, but it also can be like the more connections, the more tangled it can be, I mm-hmm. guess, which is basically what you're describing. Yeah. So yeah, as far as some of my favorite stuff I've read lately, Heartberries by Therese Marie Myatt was really good. Nevo, um, The Empress of Salt and Fortune. It's like that made her one of like my favorite authors. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Have you read that? I haven't, but the title sounds familiar and I can like picture the cover in my head. Yeah, it's kind of like um, 
drawn. It's like a, I guess, cartoon style. I'm terrible at describing images. Oh my goodness. And it's got like a rabbit on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's basically it. Yeah. So yeah, with Toni Morrison, there was also a book I read. I might mention this in my upcoming newsletter that I do also with Book Riot called In the Club. <laughs> well, nice. Shout out. Oh, I love that. <laughs> well, you know, a little segue. Um, it's called Drive Your Plow Over the Bones of the mm-hmm. Dead. Uh, have you heard of that? I have. And it was somebody on Book Riot raving about it. And last time I went and bought a bunch of books at my local bookstore, that's one I picked up. So I haven't read it, but I have it sitting here. Nice. Yeah. So that's kind of, and also, hmm, I should ask you this. You, I know you would know Dead Dead Girls. It's like a recent mystery novel that just came out by Nikessa Afia. Is that YA? I've seen some people say it was kind of in that. I have no idea. All right. That's fair. Part of it is because those books all sound the same to me. Yeah. Dead as a word in the title and then girls as a word in the title. Like they all blur together for me, which it's reader service for people who are looking for like thrillers in that sense because you kind of know exactly what you're getting. But it's also super disservice to the book itself because it's hard to distinguish it from every other dead girl book. Oh my God. And that's like a comment on our society as well. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's like dead. Yeah. And the fact that we would go looking for something like that and that would be like, and people know we're looking for it. But that's like another conversation. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my an God. hour on that. <laughs> uh, alone. Yeah. Um, this one was about the heart. Um, it's like in Harlem. It's set in, during the Harlem Renaissance. It's a oh. mystery. Does that, does that ring a bell or still it's like, sounds like a lot of things. It sounds like a lot of things, but that's to me. I'm looking at the cover right now. Oh, it's a series too. Mm-hmm. It's the first of a series. It just came out. It just came out this year, maybe a month ago, I want to say. But those just June 1st, it came out. Like right in time for Pride Month. It also, the main character is also queer and stuff. So, well, she's black and queer. So just speaking of things that are like what I've read lately that I've liked. This sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. It was fun. Debut 1920s jazz age murder mystery starring a tiny black lesbian ex-showgirl solving crimes. Like, oh, uh, that sounds awesome. I mean, where where could it go wrong? Right. <laughs> Just from that alone. Well, that's um obviously for listeners who are tuning in, I'm back from maternity leave. Yay. And Tiny Child is currently asleep so that we can record a podcast. <laughs> and um, <laughs> like reading life has been something else at this point because it's just, it's exhausting at the end of the day to pick up a book and all I want to do is lay in bed and watch TikTok, which is fine. You know, a reminder to everybody that your reading life comes and goes and a reminder to myself as well, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Be easy on yourself. You just yeah. gave birth to an entire human being. <laughs> I know. I know. That is crazy, honestly, when you think about it. It is. Like, every time I think, like, I look at her and I'm like, oh, my goodness, mm. I, I made this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is mine. I made this. I birthed you. Yes. Yeah. Um, I love the baby pictures and the relationship that your cat has with your baby. <laughs> it's like, you know, what we all aim for in life, but few of us achieve. I yeah. Think. Yeah. This this cat loved to lay on my belly when she was still inside oh, and he would like knead at her and she would kick back at him. And now they're like, he's still a little nervous around her, yeah. but like he clearly very is 
very interested in her and she is fascinated with him so (laughs) when she gets to the point that she moves around that cat is in trouble (laughs) yes he is but he probably will also turn into one of those things where she's like pulling his tail and stuff and he's just like you know what it is what it is or what's that um like the flintstones it reminds me of those uh all those animals they had as like random household appliances and they'd be like it's a living yeah, it'll be him. He'll be like, ah, it's a living, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that imagery is so good. Let's, yes. let's end our chit chat right here so that right. we can continue this joy through through what we're going to talk about. Definitely. Our first sponsor is TBR Book Riot subscription service offering reading recommendations personalized to your reading life. Want great new YA books to read, but overwhelmed by all the publishing buzz? Let us help. Tell TBR about your reading likes and dislikes and what you're looking for and sit back while your bibliologist handpicks recommendations just for you. TBR offers plans to receive hardcover books in the mail or recommendations by email, so there's an option for every budget. TBR is also available as a gift. Visit mytbr.co to sign up. That's mytbr.co. So our first topic speaking of joy, is mm. happy slash uplifting slash, I guess fun is a good word. And mm-hmm. we could have gone with that. Fantasy reads. Yeah. Just because I, I feel like we're all looking for some levity right now and yeah. maybe some escape from the real world. And yeah. why not combine the two? Mm-hmm. Perfect idea. <laughs> I'm not a huge fantasy reader. I, I have a hard time with it because my brain can't conceptualize these worlds very well. Mm-hmm. And, and it's very much, I think about that envious of people who can do that because Mm -hmm. for me like my brain stops at like magical realism or sci-fi where there's a (laughs) real well there's a real like real world basis in them and I can build from there but like something that's completely new is so challenging for me so I'm always struggling because I want to talk about them more but I'm also like but they're so hard for me to read but this has been so fun to dig into because it's a reminder just like how wide the genre is and how many different formats there are as well. Spoiler alert. I'm going to talk about comics. Do you want to go first? Yeah, definitely. Well, the one I mentioned before, since we're on comics, mm-hmm. um, I'll start with the comic that I read, which was The OK Witch by Emma Stein Kellner. Um, and I feel like this is more, although... As I said before, disclaimer, I'm not as well-versed in YA, but I have the impression that this is kind of on the younger side of it. So basically, 13-year-old Moth Hush lives in Founders Bluff, Massachusetts, and is basically kind of like a misfit. And we enter the story around Halloween and find out that Moth's family is connected to the town's history with witches and that Moth has powers herself. So when the new kid Charlie comes, um, he befriends Moth and becomes kind of like her only friend, really. And what was really cute here was that the relationships, whether they were between parent or child or friend and friend, they were kind of complex. Like, I felt like they weren't simple and straightforward, but it was also still simplified in a way for the age of the readers. The art style of the comic was bright, rich colors. I felt like that was very similar to the story itself. There were also themes about being different and there were parallels made between being a witch in a majority non-witch town and being a person of color moth and her family are actually of color they have like brown skin and fluffy curly hair and there was also mention of how life was like in the 1600s for witches who were escaping persecution and how 
no one really liked them, but they were like tolerated for what they could do for everyone else. Also, one of the cool characters that I liked was a cat. (laughs) (laughs) He was so cute. I mean, if you throw a cat into something, I'm pretty much going to like it. And he was... (laughs) You know, I'm a you know, I'm a cheap date in that way. Um <laughs> very simple person. I see a cat, I like it. He's a little black cat, and I don't think this is a spoiler, but he was well, let's say he was someone who used to be alive. Um, he's now possessing this cat. Um, his name was Mr. Laszlo. And I love it because well, he also provides some queer representation, but also um he has like these, I believe, German and Jewish sayings that are really funny. Cause I'm, I've lived in New York, so I've like kind of been around those sayings. So it like, you know, it was, I guess somewhat nostalgic or like familiar for me. So it was mm-hmm. like really fun. It was a really cute story. Um, it's one of a number one of a series. I think the second one just came out not too long ago. So yeah, it was super cute. I liked it. The name is The Okay Witch and it's by Emma Stein Kellner. Awesome. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to run with your comic start. And recommend Mooncakes by Suzanne Walker and Wendy Sue. Um, I mentioned I have a hard time with fantasy and comics, though. I I like because where I have challenges with world building sometimes, the thing about comics is I can actually see the story play out and see the visualizations. So a lot of times that gets me like deeply into it because the, the work of imagining it is done for me. So Mooncakes, it's about a girl named Nova who is a teen witch and she helps out at her grandmother's bookstore both by lending out spell books and investigating supernatural occurrences that are happening around town. One night, she hears a report of a white wolf in the woods. So she's out to investigate when she runs into her childhood best friend, her crush named Tam Lang. Tam turns out to be a werewolf and right now is battling a horse demon. So Tam now needs Nova's help to survive and... Let's just say some feelings are explored. The uh, color palette on this one is super ethereal and dreamy, and the book is packed with awesome representation, including Nova's use of hearing aids and Tam's use of they-them pronouns. There are some spooky bits in this story, since it has werewolves and demons and witches and other spirits, but it's a super sweet read packed with a lot of fun details and a lot of opportunities for readers to be like, ah. Which I know, I like a happy side in a book, you know? <laughs> yeah, that like relief, like, oh, everything ended as it should have. Mm-hmm. That was Mooncakes by Suzanne Walker and Wendy Sue. Nice, nice, nice. Okay, so the next one that I've read is My Lady Jane mm. by Cynthia Hand, Brody Ashton, and Jody Meadows. And in this anachronistic retelling of Lady Jane Grey, who was queen for only nine days before she was executed, despite that, you know, kind of gruesome, not kind of gruesome, it's quite gruesome. (laughs) (laughs) Let's not undersell it, Erica. (laughs) Despite that, you know, gruesome historical fact, um, this story is like whimsical and fun. It's full of Monty Python style jokes that make fun of rigid 16th century etiquette and sexism. And I don't know about you, Kelly, but I grew up without cable. So I was like glued and locked into PBS. So I love oh. like, British humor and stuff like that. So it's, you know, a lot of that going on. (laughs) So while history tells us that the Catholics and Protestants were divided, My Lady Jane claims that it was actually the Verites and the Ethians that had beef with each other. 
So the Ethians can shape shift into different animals, which is why the Verities hate them. Although Mary is imprisoned here as she was in real life, Jane and her husband Gifford escape. There's still elements that are present in the usual books about like what it was like to be in the royal court, like backstabbing and secrets. But it's also mixed in with some consistent comedy, silly villains and likable main characters. It is a big book. I feel like it's like 500 pages. It's a tome. (laughs) Yeah, it's a bit of a tome, you know, a contrast to our second topic that we're going to cover. But (laughs) yeah, it was quite fun and just some lighthearted you know, when you want to pick up something and just have it be light and fun. It's good for that, I think. The title is My Lady Jane. The authors are Cynthia Hand, Brody Ashton, and Jody Meadows. Awesome. I think it's the first in a series too, right? Yes, you're right. Sorry, I forgot to mention that. Yes. That's okay. Uh, my next one is The Afterword by E.K. Johnston. And I think you could call a lot of Johnston's fantasy books somewhere in that like fun category. This is a standalone title following a period of time that should be a golden era era in the kingdom of Cadrium. So the heroes had brought home a god's gem, which cured the king. But this position of heroism isn't sitting well with knight Kalinthe Ironheart, who has to find stability in her life since notoriety isn't, isn't cutting it. So Ulsa, Rhett's daughter, is also a hero from this uh, bringing back the gem. And Her life is entirely different. She had been living as a pickpocket on the streets, and now, thanks to her heroism and notoriety, can no longer survive that way um, because people know who she is. So Kalente and Olsa have very, very different lives, and they have to find two very different paths to make something of themselves, as well as find their way to one another again. It's an epic fantasy packed with capital letter feels, a female-female romance, and some laughter along the way. And that is The Afterword by E.K. Johnston. Nice, nice. Okay. Sounds very good. All right. So the next one I will mention is Reverie by Ryan LaSala. And this has been marketed as an Inception meets the Magician's. I took a quote from the book, which I feel like kind of sums up reverie, (laughs) uh, which is that, quote, it's just gay enough to work, end quote. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And that's a quote that's used as an inside joke by the main character, Kane, and his sister in the very beginning of the book. Uh, When we're introduced to Kane, um, whose full name is Kane Montgomery, who um, is a a gay high school student. He's trying to remember the events of the crash that has some very mysterious elements. The cops are questioning him. He has to see a psychologist and there are mysterious shadowy creatures following him around. As Kane recovers his memory, he realizes that he and his friends must disentangle reveries, which are dreamlike fantasy worlds generated by the town's residents. And he has to, he and his friends have to stop um, the fantasies from overtaking reality. Um, The vain, the villain slash villainous, and I'll let you figure out what's going on with that, is one of the more enjoyable that I've read. Very fun character. Uh, And I feel like the memory loss of the main character lends to the idea of not exactly trusting others who are like you, which will make sense, I think, when you read it. Might not make sense now. And also not trusting experiences outside of what you consider to be normal. It also explores the idea of people creating their own realities 
it's a fun read because although it covers heavy material like coming out, otherness, and homophobia, it's full of really fun queer-centric one-liners, <laughs> pop culture references, and a really unique narrative. Plus, the main character's superpower is literally shooting rainbow-colored fire from his hands. So, Okay, that is awesome. <laughs> I mean, as like I said, it's like, you know, the, the motto of it is just gay enough to work, you know? Yeah. And Kane has his moments where he's like not the most likable person, but his flaws are like realistic and relatable, I think. And that again is Reverie by Ryan Lasala. My next one is In Other Lands by Sarah Reese Brennan and... For longtime YA readers, as well as for new ones, Brennan is known for her signature humor and lightness in her writing, even when she's writing in genres where those hallmarks aren't always expected. So this story is about a place called the Borderlands, where mermaids and harpies and elves sort of wander and rule the world. Elliot is this smart, obnoxious boy, and when he is able to see a wall on his class trip that no one else in his class can see... He somehow manages to end up in the borderlands and attend school there. But it's not like this cool place he thought it was going to be because it's way more about fitness and sport than he hoped. And uh, there aren't as many cool creatures as he kind of anticipated. So when Elliot meets Serene Heart in the Chaos of Battle, a stunningly beautiful elven warrior, he realizes maybe the place isn't so bad. And there's this cute boy who is a cute human boy. So it's a, it's a book that's a sort of portal fantasy with tons of references to fantasy tropes with the main character who is a perfectly annoying 13-year-old who is also a pacifist in a world where there's uh, no real place for pacifist. And one reviewer called this, and I think that this might be the thing that sells the book for you, um, if Tortal met Red, White, and Royal Blue, which is just a fun, like, meets there. And that is In Other Lands by Sarah Reese Brennan. Nice. I like how he, like, instead of being scared of the borderlands, he's like, oh, I thought this would be better. Yeah. <laughs> like, you guys are slacking. You need to get mm-hmm. it together. Yeah. Yes. Make your fantasy world a little bit better, please. Yeah. Next time when you know I'm coming, just prepare. So, <laughs> <laughs> so the next one I'm going to be talking about is Sorcery of Thorns by Margaret Rogerson. So orphan Elizabeth Scrivener was raised in the great library of Summershaw. Through training, she hopes to become a librarian and protect the world from the grimoires she has spent so much time around. Grimoires in this story, as in, you know, real life as well, are magical books. But here they are the tools of evil sorcerers. The result of the library's most dangerous grimoire being released results in Elizabeth being accused of murder. There is no one else for her to turn to other than the handsome sorcerer Nathaniel Thorne, seducer of women and men alike, but unfortunately also someone she doesn't trust. The world in this standalone fantasy is fully fleshed out, funny, and it kind of brings some life into some familiar fantasy tropes and makes them feel like kind of refreshed and new. Again, that is Sorcery of Thorns by Margaret Rogerson. My last one is Not Your Sidekick by C.B. Lee. And this is part of a series that currently has three books. And it looked to me like a fourth might be on the way, but I'm not 100% sure. And I don't want to dig into this one too much because the pitch is honestly enough. What happens if your parents are superheroes? You don't have those powers. And then you take on an internship with a supervillain. 
Uh, this book follows Jessica Tran as she pursues this wildly dangerous paid internship while also falling for Abby, her longtime crush and now new co-worker. It's a fun romantic adventure series featuring a bisexual Vietnamese and Chinese main character who has a trans best friend. Plus, secret super- superpowers are always a lot of fun. And that is Not Your Sidekick by C.B. Lee. Do you want to hit our next sponsor and then we'll dive into topic number two? Yeah, definitely. Our next sponsor is Penguin Random House Audio. Escape into thrilling and fantastic stories when you press play on an audiobook. Plus, you can multitask while you listen. Avoid DIY crafting fatigue with the help of thrill-filled audiobooks or find inspiration in the kitchen as you travel to far-off worlds. Thrillers and fantasy YA audiobooks to add to your playlist. The Taking of Jake Livingston, written by Ryan Douglas and read by Kevin R. Free and Michael Crouch. A chilling thriller about 16-year-old Jake who happens to see ghosts. And the next one is Small Favors by Aaron A. Craig and read by Rachel Music. From the best-selling author of House of Salt and Sorrow comes a new mesmerizing story that's inspired by a fairy tale. The next book on the list, Six Crimson Cranes by Elizabeth Lim and read by Emily Wu Zeller. A princess in exile, a shape-shifting dragon, six enchanted cranes, and an unspeakable curse. Discover more YA listening recommendations from Penguin Random House Audio. Listen to clips and find your next audiobook at penguinrandomhouseaudio.com slash bookriot. Again, that's penguinrandomhouseaudio, all one word, dot com slash bookriot. Sweet. I think that... If we do happen to go back into any sort of lockdown for uh, the pandemic, that audiobooks are going to continue to be a super popular way to pass time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, that's going to be needed, especially like the fantasy escapism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So our next topic is short reads. And I was thinking about this one because uh, as somebody who doesn't have a whole lot of focus right now, like short reads are super helpful, but also... It's August. If you're doing a summer reading challenge or you're trying to like sneak in as many books as you can before the fall rolls around, whether that's because you're in school or you know somebody who's going to be in school or just because you want to knock out as many books as you can this summer, um, figured short books are like a sweet way to to get it done. Um, Some of them are light. Some of them are heavy. And sometimes short doesn't necessarily mean quick. It just means short. So um, I'll kick it off with this series that I don't think has gotten a lot of talker press, and it is one that fills a really sorely needed hole in the YA world, and that is the Fly Girl series by Ashley Woodfolk. So the series launched with Lux, the new girl, last year, and it wraps up with Tobin, the it girl, at the end of August. So these are short, fast-paced reads, particularly for readers who might not be eager to engage in a longer story. I really dislike the phrase reluctant readers since it's really loaded, but these books are 144 pages long, each of them, and pacey, meant to reach teen readers who don't necessarily see themselves as readers. The series follows four girls in Harlem, each dealing with friendship and family challenges, and Lux, the new girl, the first book, Follows Lux as she navigates the reality of being a new girl at Harlem's Augusta Savage School of the Arts. She has been kicked out of every school since her father left, and this is sort of her last chance to get it together before she is sent off to military school. So 
She charms her way into the Fly Girls clique and feels like she'll be safe and set since these girls seem to all have themselves together. But of course, it's not necessarily as smooth or easy as she anticipates. Micah, Noelle, and Tobin are the other girls in the group and each get their own entry into the series. And that is the Fly Girls series by Ashley Woodfolk. Nice, nice. That sounds that sounds fun. Quick little high school stories. So my first short read that I will talk about is called Check, Please by Ngozi Ukazu. And this is um, an episodic graphic novel that centers around former figure skating champion from the South, Eric Biddle. We start out with Eric or Biddy as his online audience knows him making a vlog about arriving in his freshman dorms at a prestigious Massachusetts college. Once he meets his hockey teammates, he starts to doubt whether he belongs in the team, um, but realizes that he can't exactly quit because of sports scholarship, which is like, you know, uh, millennial problems. (laughs) Mm -hmm. All he really wants is like a decent kitchen to make his pies in and to, uh, to be able to make his little vlogs. The title comes from the act of checking or physical contact in hockey, which I had no idea about. I'm very sports illiterate, so (laughs) I'm sure that'll come up in our podcasting in the future as well. Uh, Biddy is terrified of getting checked and his performance on the team suffers as a result. This is a collection of the first half of the popular webcomic, which features crushes coming out, finding your place as a college student, you know, as a newly somewhat independent adult. It's also pretty funny at times. It ends at just over 200 pages before it starts showing the excerpts from the next book. And I will say this um, does include like some cursing and somewhat sexual references, but it is still considered YA. And that again is called Check, Please by Ngozi Ukazu. My next pick is also a comic and it's Dancing at the Pity Party by Tyler Feeder. And as a longtime Feeder fan here, I... I regularly think about this comic, which won a number of awards. Um, It's a short, fast-paced read, but it is so meaty that it demands to be read again and again. So this comes with all the trigger warnings about death and cancer, as it's a graphic memoir about Tyler losing her mother to cancer and begins with the oncology appointments, includes her mother's decline, the funeral, sitting Shiva, and how Tyler has worked to navigate her life as a young motherless girl. It's super candid while also being funny and the art here is just spectacular it manages to both capture the heaviness of the topic while being light approachable and real for anyone who's experienced loss of a loved one it'll hit close and i think especially the parts about learning to navigate those first post-death experiences in a lot of ways when i read this one i felt super comforted by seeing my own experiences of grief and its non-linear path play out in another person this One comes in at just over 200 pages, so it's a nice short one as well. And that is Dancing at the Pity Party by Tyler Feeder. Yeah, that sounds really good. I'm always amazed when authors can make something so sad also be kind of light and funny. So Mm -hmm. that is like quite the feat. So the next one I will talk about is called The Golden Day by Ursula Duborsarsky. And this novella is set in Sydney, Australia in 1967 during the Vietnam War, and it clocks in at just 160 pages or so. It's about 11 schoolgirls and their eccentric teacher, Miss Renshaw. Miss Renshaw has the habit of taking her girls to a local garden to write poetry, which the girls know is actually just a reason to meet Morgan, who is a gardener and a conscientious objector. I had to look up what that meant. I didn't know that it was actually like a phrase. Basically means someone who's objected to serving in the war. 
So I've heard, you know, I've heard of like guest defectors or whatever. I don't know if that has a negative connotation, but that was a new term for me. Learn something every day. So when Morgan and Miss Renshaw go missing, the secret of their previous meetings become a burden for the girls. The mystery of where their teacher and the charming gardener disappear to is explored through a plot that is not as central as the characterization of the girls or even of the prose, which has been described as meticulous. And there's also something to say about the juxtaposition of just kind of the life of the girls, which is, you know, they're in this all girls day school. It's kind of like when you think of them, it's light, soft, airy. Um, just thinking that in contrast to the war that was going on was kind of a jarring and interesting experience as well. And again, that is The Golden Day by Ursula Dubersarsky. I love that book. Yes. It's, uh, I don't want to say homage because I don't think that's mm. right. And I don't want to say retelling because I don't think that's right. But it has a lot of ties to Hanging at Picnic Rock, I believe is the name of the like Australian classic that it has mm-hmm. a lot of ties to. Um, but it's it's a really moving book. Yes, really good. My next pick is one of my favorites, and that is First Day on Earth by Cecil Castellucci. And I don't know if I've talked about this on the show before, but again, one of my all-time favorite YA books. It's a super moving and powerful short story about a character named Mal, who is an alien. And all he wants to do is go back to where he's from. He is part of this Alateen group and he's met this guy there named Hooper who is not mentally well. Like it's very clear he has some kind of mental illness and who believes he's from another planet. So as soon as the two of these guys who feel like the loneliest people on Earth meet, Hooper starts to realize that he has to go back to his home star. Now remember, he is not an alien, but he has this belief that he belongs elsewhere. Mal doesn't want him to go because he is so excited. He's finally forged a friendship with someone and he is desperate to go with him if he's going to leave. So while many readers will see this as an alien story, I really see it as this supremely human story about what grief and loss and anger can do to us and all the extremes to which we sometimes go to escape it because we feel like that's the only way to to move on. And this book is like 150 pages and the amount of stuff that is packed into it is incredible. It's it's one for alien story fans, one for um, readers who are dealing with grief and loss and readers who want something from a longtime YA writer who I don't think we talk about enough anymore. And that's Cecil Castellucci. She's like a real gem in YA. And that is First Day on Earth by Cecil Castellucci. Nice. Um, Makes note to add that to my good notes. Next one I will speak about is After Tupac and Dee Foster by Jacqueline Woodson. In the summer of 1995, months before Tupac got shot for the first time, Dee Foster meets 12-year-olds Nika and Nika's best friend. Dee Foster opens up about the girl's sheltered worldview as as she contrasts um, her life in foster care against the other two girls' safer upbringing in Queens. In Queens, New York, that is. Um, the girls realize that they haven't had as much independence as Dee and decide to go on an adventure that involves a forbidden bus ride outside of the block that they live in. Jacqueline Woodson has served as a young people's poet laureate, and I personally always love reading novels by poets because I feel like um, their writing is, I guess for lack of a better word, just more poetic. <laughs> you know, each like sentence has, I guess, um, I just like their sentence structure even. 
And Woodson focuses, tends to focus a lot on growing up in New York City, which I also love to read about because while I'm not from here, I've lived here and really grown to love it. It's interesting to see how different it was for actual native New Yorkers and what it might have been like to have grown up here myself. What have I what I've noticed in this book as well as New York in general is that there's like, well, everyone kind of thinks as New York is like harsh, you know, but there's a softness here as well. So after Tupac and D Foster, um, it shows that side of New York to me. It shows like the gruffness, the harshness, but also the softness, um, which these girls experience. So again, that was After Tupac and D Foster by Jacqueline Woodson. Another like longtime YA writer who is still doing awesome stuff here in yeah. YA as well as across other categories too, because Woodson is expansive. Yeah, she definitely is. I'm going to do one more, and that is hashtag Not Your Princess, Voices of Native American Women, edited by Lisa Charlie Boy and Mary Beth Leatherdale. This is a super short 107-page book that is a total gut punch. It's a work of nonfiction that is a collection of poetry, art, essays, and interviews set up like a scrapbook about what it's like growing up as a contemporary Native woman. And it does a really spectacular job of including both the gruesome realities of abuse and stereotyping with voices that demand to be heard, demand power, and demand change. So it's a very expansive worldview of what it is to be Native right now and features voices from across the U.S., across Canada. Of course, that's what we call them as settlers. But it's just there's so much packed in this little tiny book. And again, it's it's like many others that are short, but are worth reading multiple times to continue to pull new things from. And that is hashtag not your princess voices of Native American women edited by Lisa Charlie Boy and Mary Beth Leathersdale. Awesome. I'm loving the, um, well, I don't know if it's just me, but I've been seeing more indigenous authors lately and I just always love to hear their stories. They are needed, definitely. And along that same vein, mm-hmm. another, my last book for today as well that I will mention is called The Things She's Seen by Amberlyn Quay Molina and her brother Ezekiel Quay Molina. And this is Um, Well, these are also Indigenous writers, but they're Indigenous to Australia. The authors are Australian Aboriginal siblings. So I just kind of said a little redundant. (laughs) But the story starts by revealing that Beth Teller is dead and that her father, a detective, is seriously grief stricken. Beth's father is the only one that can still see her spirit, which is probably still attached to the land of the living because of her love for her father. So as Beth tries to convince her father to move on from losing her, he investigates, he starts to investigate the burning down of a children's home, and he's starting to investigate that as a possible arson. So during the story, a character, a mysterious character named Isabel Catching is one of the only witnesses they can consult, uh, and they being Beth Teller and her father, because she is kind of basically assisting him in his investigation, you know, as a spirit, basically. So Isabel Catching is um, one of the only, or I will say the only other person apart from Beth's father who can see her. So Beth and her father work together to unearth horrible secrets in this thrilling but short novel that comes in at a little over 200 pages. And 
as you said, Kelly, like short books that pack a punch, you know, mm-hmm. so. And again, that's called The Things She's Seen by Ambolin Molina and Ezekiel Molina. It's like we took the light, fun fantasy section and we're like, what could be the complete opposite of that? The exact Short opposite. Yes. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. And it's funny. It was kind of a challenge because I find that like when I do read fantasy, I feel like it tends to be dark. I don't know what that says about me, but. <laughs> oh, I like pretty much everything I read is dark. And then when I step back and I read something that's not, I'm like, why don't I read more stuff that's not dark? Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, because, yeah, I see like dark descriptions and I'm like, oh, this speaks to me. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm drawn to them. But then I'm like, exactly like you said, I'm like, oh, well, this is cute, too. And I really like this. This made me feel good. Why don't I yeah. read this more often? <laughs> well, let's uh, let's call it a show. Thank you mm-hmm. for tuning in this week. If you've got feedback about the show, you can leave it on Apple Podcasts. That lets us know how we're doing and helps other people find us. Don't forget to visit bookriot.com for newsletters, including the one Erica is in charge of in the club, as well as What's Up in YA, which I run twice a week. You can also find more podcasts and all things bookish, including our insiders program. Thanks again to today's sponsors for making the show possible. And thanks to our awesome audio editor, Jen Zink. You can follow me, Kelly Jensen, on Instagram at Hey Kelly Jensen. And Erica, where can people follow you? You can follow me on Twitter at Erica, E R I C A underscore E Z E or as a. I have to admit, my social media is not the best, but you can come say hi to me there. <laughs> I need to do better. I'm just going to put that out there. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing I think when people say that, that's what makes them relatable. Yeah. I'm like, ooh. Mm hmm. We're not professionals. We're not paid to be professional social media people. Like, not at all. You know, it's okay. Yeah. Like, have fun. But uh, thank you everyone for tuning in. Thanks to Erica for hopping on. I can't wait to see what else we do with this show. And we will talk to you again together in two weeks. And next week, you'll hear from me in an episode of Hey YA Extra Credit. Until then, happy reading. <laughs> <laughs>